You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the CyberWire's Research Saturday. I'm Dave Bittner, and this is our weekly conversation with researchers and analysts tracking down the threats and vulnerabilities, solving some of the hard problems and protecting ourselves in our rapidly evolving cyberspace. Thanks for joining us. So through some of our regular Ukraine work monitoring, uh, we have a task force that we have set up looking at specific Ukrainian customers who are, you know, sensitive based on what kind of company they are and, of course, where they're located. And through this regular monitoring, we discovered this trend. And once we found it on one victim, we found it on a bunch of different victims, first in Ukraine, then all over the world. That's David Liebenberg. He's head of strategic analysis at Cisco Talos. Today, we're discussing their discovery of cracked Microsoft Windows software being downloaded by enterprise users around the world. So that's how we, we came across it. We didn't realize how prevalent it was when we first encountered it. Well, let's dig into some of the details here. I mean, we're talking about folks having cracked versions of Microsoft Windows installed on their systems. Is is this an intentional choice by the organization to take this route? So it's it's an open question, right? Why why are we seeing so much of this? Um, I think there's a lot of reasons for it. Partly you can, you know, think of poor hygiene, poor security training, not uh, uh, talking about the risks of these things. But there could also be time pressures. Um, there could be management issues. There could be, hey, I need this done. Oh, but that license is too expensive. Figure it out. Whatever the reason is, you know, there's some sort of forces at work that are causing uh, organizations all across the globe in all different industries uh, employees at these organizations are downloading and leveraging these crack tools. What exactly is going on with this in terms of um, are they downloading a version of Microsoft Windows that has already been cracked or are they downloading a, a tool that will allow them to bypass the installation routines on Microsoft Windows? How does it work? So universally what we'll see is the cracktivator aspect of it, uh, which is I have to credit that that neologism with uh, with James Nutland on my team because it's <laughs> such it. a great 
Such a great name. Um, (laughs) So you'll always see that sort of activation software cracked. um, And usually we'll see that with a cracked or pirated version of whatever legitimate software it's trying to activate as well. But you you could use that cracked activation software with, say, a trial version or something like that. But typically, yeah, you're going to see both you know, the activation software and the product uh, being pirated or modified and then torrented and downloaded. Well, you, you mentioned torrenting. I mean, is that the primary pathway that people get their hands on these things? That's what we've seen. And, you know, for an advanced actor, right, that can do research and do recon and, and you know, set the stage, they can figure out what kind of, you know, are there particular torrents that are used in a particular geography, are there particular tools that are especially important uh, in a particular industry? And they can target you know, specific torrents and specific software that way. Well, beyond this being you know, not the right thing to do and uh, you know, the, the legal elements of, of running cracked software, what are some of the other dangers that come into play here? Yeah, so beyond just you know, the illegality of, of you know, pirating that software, uh, there's two major risks that come from it. So first, if you're using this cracked uh, version, you're not going to get the regular security updates. You're not going to get the patches. You're going to be at risk um, from a vulnerability angle. What we've seen even more concerningly is that these adversaries are bundling these cracked activators with malware. Um, and these aren't you know, just miners and nuisance malware like that. They're putting rats in there, uh, you know, powerful remote access Trojans that they can then use to download second stage malware, to get credentials, escalate privileges, move laterally, um, and just get a head start into your traditional apocalyptic uh, attack chain. Um, so, you know, while it might seem kind of harmless, in fact, torrenting and downloading these cracked software can lead to really serious security issues. And to be clear here, I mean, if I download one of these cracktivators, as you all call them, and let's say a copy of Windows, the copy of Windows will work, despite the fact that I'm having this other stuff installed over top of it. Yes, exactly. And they're going to do whatever they can to, you know, remain silent. So you think, hey, I'm just using, you know, this free Windows. This is awesome. Well, in the background, they've modified your Windows Defender. They've modified, uh, you know, your firewall. They've made changes to, you know, your defenses so that they can operate more clearly. Uh, they're maintaining network connections since these activators have to be rechecked periodically. Um, so they're going to have access uh, uh, that way. So, you know, there's going to be potentially a lot of malicious activity going on in the background while you're writing your Word document. And now a word from our sponsor, Sixth Sense. Sixth Sense provides award-winning cloud-based automated endpoint and vulnerability management solutions to streamline IT and security operations. With its advanced platform, businesses gain complete visibility and control over their infrastructure, reducing IT and security risks and optimizing operational efficiency. With Sixth Sense, you'll get real-time alerts, risk-based vulnerability prioritization and remediations, and an intuitive automation and orchestration engine 
so you can focus on your core business goals, confident in the knowledge that your enterprise is secure, compliant, and running smoothly. To learn why enterprises choose Sixth Sense, visit SixthSense.com. You mentioned that this came to your attention in part because of the work that you all are doing in Ukraine. Do do you think this ties into the conflicts there? Absolutely. I do think that there are APTs and advanced actors involved in that conflict who know that this is a potential means of entry. Um, so, you know, we have observed that there are advanced actors. Um, there's open source reporting of, you know, advanced actors using this to target organizations in sensitive areas like that. So it's it's an easy way to for an APT to just kind of get a head start and get in there and then launch the rest of their attack chain. What are your recommendations then for organizations to, to protect themselves against this? I think first and foremost, there needs to be very strong and emphatic awareness campaign uh, whatever you want to call it, there has to be robust training and instructions not to do this, the risks that could be involved, the sheer scale and scope of the problem, just really drilling it into employees and perhaps to the next level of management all the way up that this is an incredibly serious issue. Uh, it's not just about you know the illegality, as we mentioned, uh, against the legitimate software, but also all these security issues that could happen. Beyond that, you know, you want to do all the sort of traditional things that can limit harm once an adversary has has entered. So you want to make sure that you're, you know, segmenting your network. So when this happens, they don't move to the ICS. They don't move to the more sensitive areas. You have that blocked off. You want to make sure you have multi-factor authentication. You want to have regular monitoring and logging. And as I always say, get an IR plan in place. Make sure you are not putting out, trying to plan how to put out the fire while the fire is raging. You know, while you all have been digging into this, are there other apps or operating systems besides Windows that, that seem to be targeted here? So Windows is the one we looked at uh, primarily, but I have to assume that there is going to be a rich landscape of these kind of crack debaters for a whole suite of you know different software um, used for different industries and, and different geographies. So there was a European Biomolecular Research Institute, a uh, bleeping computer wrote about this, and a student downloaded uh, some pirated statistics software, and through that, Ryuk happened. Um, hmm. Uh, it's not just Windows and it's not just um, uh, rats and, and or, you know, miners or APT. This could be ransomware. This could be truly, you know, any threat that you could think of could be bundled with these things. You know, it, it strikes me, David, that there's a cultural component here as well in that you know, we talk about shadow IT. And, and if the IT department says to someone, you know, no, you can't have that copy of Adobe Photoshop and... You know, the 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 employee says, well, I need that to do my work. That could lead them in this direction. Exactly. That, I think that plays a huge part in this is these kind of pressures that will come through the business and through employment where there's going to be this kind of conflict between what would be secure and what would be expedient or 
what will just help me keep my job, right? I mean, mm. you see that as a factor in so many different kinds of attacks, like a phishing attack that plays upon, you know, an employee's responsibilities or fears that something might happen. So, you know, fear of losing your job or fear of, you know, getting disciplined in it is, is a powerful kind of motivator for people to do things that might not be so secure. Is there any sense at all for what might be causing the increase here that you all are tracking? I think, you know, it might just be something that's a little bit understudied and, and under-monitored. Like, I did not know personally the scale of this issue until we took a look at it. So I think if we expand our research, we look into other software, we find more you know, indicators to pivot on, you could find that you know, it's a much wider problem than we had any idea about. But I think as with you know, all malicious activity, there's also going to be responses to you know, different trends, whether that's geopolitical, so you know, the conflict, uh, a conflict somewhere, or Russia's invasion of Ukraine leading to uh, elevated threat activity. You can see that reflected in something like this as well. But in general, I think it's just there's a mountain under the sea that we haven't fully, fully explored yet. But it's, it seems to be a pretty vast problem. And to be clear here, I mean, we've been talking about Ukraine, but your research has found this here in the U.S. as well. Absolutely. And, and you know, we have a geographical distribution that shows a strong concentration um, in Eastern Europe. And one of the more surprising things from our sort of geographical distribution information is there was a pretty small uh, section in, in APAC. Um, I know from, from my years of, of research on, uh, on threat actors in that area that there is a lot of pirated software that goes on there too that is also exploited and used in, in, uh, in different adversarial campaigns. Um, so I think if you looked at different Cractivators um, in addition to Windows and other software that requires licensing, you would see very interesting different geographical distribution and different uh, industries targeted. So it's a, it's a very fascinating, diverse, and kind of difficult problem. Our thanks to David Liebenberg from Cisco Talos for joining us. Our discussion today was on their work tracking Microsoft Windows software being downloaded by enterprise users across the globe. We'll have a link in the show notes. And now a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills all using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. CyberBit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live-fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. 
The CyberWire Research Saturday podcast is a production of N2K Networks, proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. This episode was produced by Liz Irvin and senior producer Jennifer Iben. Our mixer is Elliot Peltzman. Our executive editor is Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.